Welcome to the Hills Baptist Podcast. We're so glad you're joining us as we see Jesus glorified, lives transformed and hope revealed in the Adelaide Hills and beyond. We hope you enjoy this message. Amen. Thank you, Chris. Hello, everybody. How are you all? We're going well? Bit of energy. Belinda, I reckon you could do that all day long. And that was so, so good. Fantastic. Thank you, team, for leading us. And children, there are children's packs over there because we obviously are in school holidays, so kids' ministry is off. So if you want something to, to chip away at while we're looking at the Word, you can do that. Wonderful. All right. So while they're getting that, for those of you who don't know me, my name's Dave, and it's uh, my absolute privilege to just be a part of a team here at Hills and all that God is doing. I have to, immediately after preaching, run over to Verdun. We've got three people being baptised this morning, um, and so they're waiting, they're waiting for me. We've got a Young Guns preaching series happening at Mount Barker and at Verdun at our all-gay PM service. So three of our young adults each bringing a, a short, one cohesive message in three short parts I'm excited for what God's doing in our midst. Um, so let's get into the word. We are in the book of Acts. Who's enjoying the book of Acts, Lobethal? Who's enjoying the book of Acts? We've got to be a little bit interactive. Let's make sure we're doing that. And so we are, we're landing in Acts chapter 8 this morning as we come to verse 9 through 25. I'm going to read from the ESV. in what is a fascinating passage. So from verse 9 says this, But there was a man named Simon who had previously practiced magic in the city and amazed the people of Samaria, saying that he himself was somebody great. They all paid attention to him from the least to the greatest, saying, This man is the power of God that is called great. And they paid attention to him because for a long time he had amazed them with his magic. But when they believed Philip, as he preached good news about the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus Christ, uh, they were baptized, both men and women. Even Simon himself believed, and after being baptized, he continued with Philip, and seeing signs and great miracles performed, he was amazed. And when the apostles of Jerusalem heard that Samaria had received the word of God, they sent to them Peter and John, who came down and prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Spirit. For he had not yet fallen on any of them, but they had only been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Then they laid their hands on them and they received the Holy Spirit. Now watch this. Now when Simon saw that the Spirit was given through the laying, of the, laying on of the apostles' hands, he offered them money saying, give me this power also that anyone on whom I lay my hands may receive the Holy Spirit. But Peter said to him, may your silver perish with you because you thought you could obtain the gift of God with money. You have neither part nor lot in this matter for your heart is not right before God. Repent therefore of this wickedness of yours and pray to the Lord that if possible, the intent of your heart may be forgiven you. For I see that in you, uh, so I see that you are in the gall of bitterness 
and in the bond of iniquity. And Simon answered, pray for me to the Lord that nothing of what you have said may come upon me. Now when they had testified and spoken the word of the Lord, they returned to Jerusalem preaching the gospel to many villages of the Samaritans. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you that it's living and active. And Lord, we thank you that it is always relevant to our context. It is always relevant to our lives, always relevant to our situation. And so, Lord, I pray that you would speak boldly this morning to each person here, that you would take your word, that you would settle it in our spirits, Lord, and that you would do something of significance, that your word would chip away at the dross, that your word would refine us, that it would purify us, and it would lead us, Lord, closer and nearer to the heart of Christ. We pray this in the precious name of Jesus and all God's children said, Amen. So context is important. Last week, John preached uh, from the book of Acts chapter 8. We know that what's happening here as we come to Acts 8 is that the gospel has been preached in Jerusalem. Persecution has come. We saw that Stephen became the first martyr of the church on account of his faith, boldly declaring who Jesus is and In his martyrdom, there came a great persecution. And all of a sudden, the church, the believers of Jesus Christ, started to spread exactly to the areas that Jesus said he would build his church. Did you pick up on that last in the last couple of weeks? That it had been in Jerusalem, but he said, I'm going to make you witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And so what we're seeing in Acts chapter 8 is where the gospel is starting to go out into these areas. And you know that Samaria are are enemies of Israel. So this is like enemy territory, but it's showing that God is for humanity, that the gospel is for everyone, that the gospel, it's no longer limited to one group of people by DNA or genetics, but rather it is now in the blood of Christ, all are welcomed. It's an incredible passage. And Philip, going in the power of the Holy Spirit, basically plants a church in Samaria and it's going off, right? It's going gangbusters. It's growing. People are getting saved daily. They're seeing signs and wonders. They're seeing like evil spirits being cast out, people being set free. That's a powerful church, yeah? That's the kind of church I want to see, that we would see a church with the power of God at work where people's lives are radically being transformed, not where we come and we have a fun time, not where we come and we have a lovely social gathering, but we see the power of God at work in our communities. That's the sort of church Hills Baptist is called to be. That's the church we are called to be. And this is what we see in Samaria. And so it's kind of like this zoom out, right? It's the helicopter view of the beginning picture of the church moving beyond Jerusalem. And then what happens in the the verses we've just read is it zooms in. And it gives us an example of what this this thing that's going on, here's here's one example of what that looks like practically on the ground. Are you ready? Are you ready? This one example of what it looks practically on the ground, and it introduces us to a bloke named Simon. 
But before we get to Simon, you have to understand something about sandwiches. How many of you love a good sandwich? Anybody? Love a good sandwich. The other day we, we had a little picnic, my wife and I, and it was lovely, but there was a problem because she cut up all this different bread and we put together all the meats and the salads and it was beautiful and I put my meat and my salad in between my bread and I bit it and all I got was this flaming hot spice in my mouth because the bread had jalapenos in it. Now, that's not bread, exactly. I'm like... Bread serves the purpose of pointing towards the goodness in between the bread. The bread's supposed to be this little, you know, platform by which you highlight the middle. Are you with me? You don't ruin the bread by putting stuff in it. Just give me nice, beautiful, soft, warm, white bread straight out of the oven. Gorgeous. But it's supposed to highlight what's in between. That's the purpose of a sandwich. Yeah? And the same is actually true with Scripture. When you read the Bible, there are times when what you will see is a sandwich. There'll be a, there'll be a section, then there'll be something in the middle, and then there'll be another section which is basically the same as the one before it. And the reason it, it does this, it's a literary technique. It's a sandwich technique used by biblical authors to highlight what's in the middle. And so we see the beginning of chapter 8, Philip, and we see a move of God. And the finish of that is that there was great rejoicing, right? Then at the end of chapter 8, you see Philip being obedient to God. He ministers to one person instead of the whole church of Samaria. And the outcome of that is great rejoicing. So you see Philip, move of God, rejoicing, Philip, move of God, rejoicing, and in between is Simon. So this, this whole chapter is intentionally pointing us to something. It wants us to understand, it's setting us up that we would, we would recognise that the Holy Spirit is comparing something about Philip to the person in the middle who is Simon. It wants us to go, there's Philip and there's Simon. But it's more than just a comparison of two men. It's about the substance that is in them. You with me? The Holy Spirit, it says, Philip filled with the Holy Spirit. Philip filled with the Holy Spirit. Here's Philip, full of the Holy Spirit. A man of faith, walking in obedience to God. And the outcome is great rejoicing. And then there's Simon and there's something in Simon that's not what belongs in the life of a believer. So we know a bit about Philip. We've heard about Philip. Who's Simon? If you follow the text, Simon was someone who in the eyes of his people, Samaria, was a great, mighty, powerful man. He's a sorcerer. He operates in witchcraft Seems like every time I come to Lobethal, we're mentioning that phrase. He's, he's doing incredible deeds and performing incredible wonders in the sight of the people. And he is held in high esteem. But then Philip comes to town preaching the gospel and Simon recognises that the, this man's, 
he's, he's got a power far greater than any power that I have. And there's something about the message of Jesus Christ that draws Simon in. And it causes Simon to actually believe in the name of Jesus, it says. So he believes in Jesus and he is baptised. How cool is that? Anybody? Anyone get excited about the fact that here's a sorcerer performing witchcraft who encounters Jesus and goes, wow, I'm going to follow this guy. And he starts following Philip around, trying to learn more and more. And it says he was amazed at what he saw. This man who's done wonders was amazed at what he saw Philip doing. He's captivated by what's going on. And then something really interesting that's caught my eye and my heart the whole time I've sat with this text. Because as we've learned, the Holy Spirit is at work, is, is with us, at work in the world, drawing people to salvation. He is in believers as the assurance of salvation. But there's this thing where the Holy Spirit comes upon believers to empower us for transformation and for proclamation that we would actually be empowered to go into the world and be his hands and feet. And so John and Peter hear that the gospel has gone to Samaria and they're captivated. They're like, all right, have they been filled? Has the Spirit come upon them? Not have they believed, has the Spirit come upon them? And the Word comes back and says no. And so John and Peter come to Samaria, this place that's the enemy of God's people. This is amazing. They come along, they lay hands on the believers, they are filled with the Spirit. The Spirit comes upon them and Simon does what? What happens to Simon? This man who's been amazed at what he's seen today with Philip, what happens to him? He's like, I want that. I want that power. Two things. The first thing, it means there is something observable that happens to people when the Spirit comes upon them. How else, why else was, is Simon captivated? Why else is Simon drawn to this? Why else does he say, wow? Why else does he want this power? Because something must have happened. Now, we don't know exactly what that thing is. And this is where people get tripped up. They'll, they'll make assumptions. So you could say, yeah, maybe it's the ministry gifting. Maybe what happens in this moment is the gift of tongues. Maybe they're prophesying. Maybe there's just crazy joy. Maybe there's just radical transformation. Maybe people are being set free from addiction. We don't know exactly what it is. We've got to be careful not just to limit it to one or two ministry giftings and say that's the only evidence. There's much more evidence of the Holy Spirit coming upon someone than just tongues and prophecy, amen? But something observable happens. There is something observable, something powerful, something tangible, and Simon sees it and he goes, I want that. Now, what's the issue here, church? The issue is that he, he's actually craving power, not the person. Come on, Lobethal. He's craving the power. He's craving the hand of God. He is not craving the heart of God. 
He's not craving the face of God. He's, he wants what God, he wants the gift, but he doesn't want the giver. Philip has, has followed Christ and he has been filled and gifted to go and proclaim Christ. He is following Jesus and whether he's ministering to a church of thousands or one bloke in the middle of the desert, he's saying, I'm in. Why? Because he has encountered Christ because he loves Jesus, because he's following a man. He has relationship. And the Holy Spirit is indwelling him, empowering him in that relationship. Simon sees the gifting and he craves the gift. So much so that he says, what do I have to do to get it? I'll give you cash. Actually, like he offers Peter and John money to have what they have. And here's the key. Look what Peter says. Look what Peter says, verse 20. May your silver perish with you. I can't help but think that just maybe in seeing this response, that Peter's sitting there just assuming that there's going to be an Ananias and Sapphira moment here. You with me? This guy was a sorcerer. Now he's trying to buy this. So Peter just he goes, oh, this guy's a wolf and God's going to deal with him. May your silver perish with you. But he doesn't. May your silver perish with you because you thought you could obtain the gift of God with money. You have neither part nor lot in this matter for your heart is not right before God. So he's a believer who's been baptised, but his heart is not right before God. Why? So he says, repent of this wickedness and pray to the Lord that your heart may be forgiven. For I see that you are in the gall of bitterness. That means you are filled with bitterness and in the bond of iniquity. So you are, your heart is full of bitterness and therefore you are in bondage to sin. Believer, baptised, but a heart filled with bitterness and therefore in bondage to sin. Bondage literally means chained up. Habitual sin cannot get free. Imprisoned by sin because there is in you bitterness. Now church, who wants a quick little Greek lesson? Anybody? I'm going to give you one anyway. In the Greek, that word bitterness is the word pikria. Everyone say pikria. That's my best effort at the Greek. Good old Oka Dave. And here's what it literally means. It means a bitter root, a poisonous root that produces bitter fruit. That's not just me being a preacher. That's actually what you'll find in the concordance. So it literally, it means this poisonous root that exists in the soul of a person. And this has captivated my attention. And I've been praying into this for the last two weeks because he's a believer who's been baptised and yet his heart is full of bitterness and therefore he is in bondage to sin. I see in the church over and over again people who are believers 
who are trusting in Jesus, who've been baptized, who are chained up in bondage with habitual sin. And I just wonder if maybe because deep down there's a bitter root that has to be removed. And here's the thing, only the Holy Spirit can get rid of that bitter root. When we first bought our house, we had an old fig tree in the back. And we were trying to clear out the back because we wanted to put, you know, a little playground in for the kids, a little cubby house and some veggie patch. And it was a mess back there. So I had the idea that just with my little pick that I'd get in there and I'd just dig around this fig tree and then I'd just slowly like chip away and remove that thing. All good. Do you know how long that took me? It took me so, so, so long. And every time I thought that I'd got it, I'd be like, I reckon I've got that. And you'd be smashing through roots everywhere. And then within a few months time, what would sprout up from the ground? More blooming fig tree things. And then I'd have to dig again and then it would sprout up and I'm poisoning it. And it just kept, it took years to get rid of it because the roots went deep. Yeah? And that bitter root, that root that produced, I'm going to call it bitter fruit. Some of you probably love figs, but I didn't. Had to get, had to get under it and had to get it out. And you have to understand what causes bitterness, what leads to bitterness. Bitterness can be caused by a whole heap of things. In Simon's case, what is it? Power. Yeah, he's, he's envious, jealous. He's jealous of Philip. He's jealous of Peter. He's jealous of John. He, he wants what they have. He's envious and goes, well, do anything it takes to get that. I'll even give you money. And they're like, you've missed it altogether. And we can be filled, we can have envy and jealousy in our lives. And if we're not careful, it will lead to bitterness. And if you read through the Scriptures, there's these, this... So many passages and so many examples. Hebrews 12, 15, See to it that no one fails to obtain the grace of God, that no root of bitterness springs up and causes trouble and by it many become defiled. He had envy, he had jealousy. Job, Job repeatedly talks about his spirit being held in bitterness. Why? Because of pain disappointment, disillusionment. Sometimes we look at life and we think, this isn't what I had planned. Where is God? And if we're not careful, if we're not in the grace of God, understanding and resting in the finished work of Christ, that pain, that disillusionment, that disappointment can bear up bitterness and bitterness can lead to a bondage of sin. Unforgiveness, anybody? Ephesians 4. It talks about don't let anger, malice, strife, these things that will cause up bitterness and defile many. All of those things, it's anger, rage, these things fundamentally, it's because someone's hurt me and I haven't forgiven them. It's awfully quiet here in Lobethal this morning. Is it not true? Sometimes forgiving someone who's wronged us is really, really hard, Amen. But if we don't, the root becomes bitter. 
And the bitter root will bear bitter fruit and can lead to a bondage in sin. But if we can walk in forgiveness, because knowing the great forgiveness that has been extended to us, see to it that no one fails to obtain the grace of God. When someone's hurt me, if I go to the cross instead of going to my friend and telling them how bad this person was, but if I go to Christ and I say to him, Lord, this person's wronged me, but thank you for what you've done. If I sit there, it's a whole lot easier to forgive over here. Are you with me? Whereas if I spend all my time focusing on this and I lose sight of what Christ has done for me, bitterness will rise up. And bitterness can lead to a bondage of sin. And the Holy Spirit has come, friends. What's the picture? What's the picture that Luke wants us to catch between the difference between Philip and Simon? Rejoicing, joy, freedom. Simon, although he's no longer a sorcerer, is still not free from the stuff that binds him. He's still not free from his desire for fame and acclaim and power. He's not been set free from that. Philip has. How do we know Philip has? Because he leaves a church that is going gangbusters. And God says, go. And he's like, no worries. So that he can minister to one Ethiopian eunuch. What is the root of it all? What is the bitter root at the bottom of it all? Pride. What gets us free from pride, church? It's the Holy Spirit moving upon our hearts, doing what He does. And we've talked about this for so many weeks. What is the purpose and function of beautiful Holy Spirit? What does He want to do more than anything else? Not just give you power to do works. No, to give you power along with all the saints to know the height and the depth and the breadth and the width of the love of God in Christ Jesus. The Holy Spirit wants to illuminate the gospel of grace in your lives. And when we see it rightly, when Christ is magnified in our hearts, there can be no pride. How can we sit in the presence of God, hanging on a cross for, the, for our stuff and be boastful? We can't. But the only way we get there is by taking our eyes off of all the stuff that we spend so much time focusing on and take a moment to do this, which will lead us to this, which may even lead us to falling on our face. Because we are in the grace of God. And the message of Simon, as opposed to Philip, is that believers would be free 
from that bitter root. That the Holy Spirit would come. Because where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is, pardon, liberty, freedom. How many of you want to live in freedom? God has given His Son to die on a cross and sent His Spirit so that the church can truly be free. doesn't mean you're not going to make mistakes, but it means you will not be in bondage to sin. It means those things that once held you will no longer hold you by the power of the Holy Spirit. That is a demonstration of the Spirit that I want to see. People genuinely set free that there might be great rejoicing. And as we run in freedom, we will therefore run into our purpose and that the gospel would be proclaimed that others might be set free. So here's what we're going to do. Carmen's going to come up and play for us and the band's going to come up and lead us. But I would love to pray with us today And I know that the kids are making some noise, but this is important. It's okay. But I would like to pray with us. And just pray, one, that we would hear the word of Peter and John to Simon. The word is, it begins. Where does freedom begin? It begins with repentance. And repentance is about you and God and my life saying, I'm going to turn towards you. That's what repentance means. Change in direction. Say, Lord, I need you. Pride goes to the ground. Lord, I need you. And we're going to begin there. And then I'm going to pray for those here who want to be set free from bitterness. Whether it's unforgiveness, whether it's envy, whether it's disillusionment, I don't know. I don't know what that is. But whatever it is, that you know is there and you're like, I don't want that anymore. I want to be free from this. I'd love to pray with you, with us, that we would see freedom. So would you stand to your feet? Thank you, Jesus. You know, if you're here this morning, and I'm not going to ask you to come forward, it's between you and God. But if you're here this morning and you're like, I want to be free. I want to be free from this stuff and be the person you've called me to be. I need you, Holy Spirit. I just invite you to put your hands out in front of yourself. Just open like this. And let this prayer be the prayer of your heart. Loving Heavenly Father, we thank you that you are a good Father. We thank you that you did not abandon us, but you have come that we might be free, truly free, and know fullness of joy and peace, peace everlasting. Father, I pray for my brothers and sisters. Pray for myself. Pray for each one of us that there would not be a bitter root. Lord, that we would not fall away from that gospel of grace. 
but that our eyes would be upon you and that we would know that in you, you have paid the price. You have set us free. You have done the work. You've said it's finished. So Holy Spirit, come. Holy Spirit, come. Do your work. Refine your children. Knock down the doors, knock down the barriers. Break the chains. Even now as we're praying, I pray that there would be just a tangible sense in people's lives as you come, that they would know because they know because they know that once what once bound them binds them no longer. Whom the Son sets free, they're free indeed. Holy Spirit, we thank you. We thank you that if we ask for bread, you don't give us a stone. So come. Fill, restore, renew. That we might become vessels like Philip. Like Philip, Lord. Who are not in it for selfish ambition or gain but simply follow you and say, yes, Lord Jesus. Here I am. Send me. We love you and we praise you. In the precious name of Jesus and all God's children said. Thanks for listening to the Hills Baptist Podcast. If you'd like to partner with us in developing and equipping passionate disciples who love God, love people, and boldly share the gospel, you can do that at hillsbaptist.com forward slash giving. We pray this message has empowered you to live and love more like Jesus. Have an amazing day.